Luke chapter 8, verse 22. So now in one of those days, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible today, it says, now in one of those days, anybody ever had one of those days? Anybody ever had one of those days that just lasted for months and weeks and years? And yeah, one of those days. Now, on one of those days, Jesus and his disciples got into a boat and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee. And so they set out. But as they were sailing, he fell asleep and a fierce gale wind swept down as if through a wind tunnel on the lake and they began to be swamped and were in great danger. And they came to Jesus and woke him and said to him, Master, Master, we are about to die. And he got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging violent waves and they ceased. And so, and, and they ceased and became calm, a perfect peacefulness. Kind of circle that mind in, that word in your mind there, peacefulness. And he said to them, where is your faith, your confidence in me? And they were afraid and astonished, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the seas and they obey him? Now, when I read this uh, section of scripture, uh, I've got to be honest, my mind, some things stir in my heart. One of the things that stirs is a picture the Lord gave me years ago of just me and Jesus. I asked the Lord, Jesus, if you and I could just do something fun together, what would it be? And it was like, Jesus and I are riding in a boat, we're going across the ocean, and his hair's just blowing back, and mine's blowing off, and you know, I mean, we're just cruising along there, and we're just, uh, we're just having a blast, and I, uh, he's, I'm looking at me, and I'm looking at him, we're just having fun. I, that's one of my favorite things in the world, just to be on a boat out on the, the ocean. And, and, and then it says he fell asleep in the boat. I'm telling you, there is nothing like sleeping, like sleeping on a boat. There, there, it, it's just something amazing about it. When, uh, when Bradley was first born, we were uh, living in the Bahamas and we used to take him and many, many times we'd take him and just kind of stick him up in the, the bow of the boat and we'd just go out there and, and just float along and man, he would sleep and we would sleep and, and uh, it would just, just, anybody ever slept on the water? It's just, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Another thing comes to mind, not quite as nice, is that there is nothing like being on a storm on the water. I've actually been, maybe you've seen that show, you know, where they deadly catch or whatever, where the, they're out there on the Bering Sea and waves are crashing over there. I've, I've been in boats um, that uh, the, the waves literally were crashing all the way over, swamping over the top of the boat and, and, and bilge pumps running and having to bail the boat out. It's frightening. I mean, it really is. It's absolutely uh, scary. And, and to be in those storms, that they, and they can literally come up from anywhere. And sometimes they're not even seen. I mean, uh, one time on an almost flat, calm day, we, I found out what a rage was. And it was an underwater hurricane kind of tornado that had taken place. And, and it, this boat was trying to go out through what looked like a peaceful, um, a peaceful channel. And in uh, this, this underground, um, this undersea storm took place, and it took this 165-foot freight boat and rolled it for about four and a half to five miles. It destroyed the boat. Unfortunately, several people, including the captain and his daughter, were killed that day. But you know, that, that's what storms do. They threaten our comfort, don't they? Storms come along, and they, they try to speak fear into our lives, I, I know that there are some, uh, some fears that are good, you know, 
But, but a lot of times the enemy tries to use fear to just, to just, just come and, and wreak havoc, to destroy our stuff, to, to impact our relationships. Okay, anybody have, ever had a stormy relationship? A rock, anybody ever had a relationship? Uh, okay, if you've had a relationship, there's probably been some, some storms in it there, right? And ultimately, these storms, they really do try to cost us our life. And so I want to talk just for a couple of minutes here uh, about these, these storms, because what, what really prompted this whole message today is that I've heard and I, I've seen so many people that have just been, been dealing with uh, storms in their lives. They, they've been be, dealing with tough things and tough seasons and, and tough issues. People who've been talking about being oppressed or discouraged or stressed or overwhelmed or maxed out or worn out or confused or weary or fearful or, or fretting or basically people whose lives are just peaceless and in many times that situation has existed for so long that their lives have become lifeless. The life has just been drained out of them. And, and I'm just telling you that, that that's not how God wants us to live, Amen. You know, anxiety in our world today is measurable and statistically they say that anxiety in our society is, in, is at epidemic levels. And look, we're not just talking about anxiety for, 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 for adult people. We're talking about anxiety that starts as young as middle school that I read some of the statistics starts with people, students dealing with stress and issues and identity crisis and and their hearts and lives are filled, and it just goes, it goes. And, and it's not just in America, it's everywhere. You know, I, when I was about 12 years old, um, lots of chaos going on in my life, and, and, um, but, but some, a lot of it happened to come through something I loved. I happened to love baseball. And, um, and, and I, but, but I got in a situation where I had a really, really bad coach. Let me tell you something, if you're coaching kids, Please get the grace of God to do it. Please, please, please do it well. And I became so stressed out and so worried and so fearful and had so much insecurity in my life already that, that, it, that at about 12 years old, I had to go on this, uh, this medication. Every morning, I would take this medication, this anti-anxiety medication. So, so anxiety is not a new thing, but it is a real thing. And it does impact people's lives. And so... Uh, in my heart today, I, I, I really believe that there are lots of people that are dealing with stuff. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because it's probably all of us. But can I tell you this, that dealing with stuff doesn't make us weak, it just makes us human. It, it, it doesn't mean that we're not capable, it doesn't mean that we're not going to make it, it just means that we need some help. So with this being said this morning, and I want to be sure here, that, that if you're in that situation where you're dealing with some real tension, you're dealing with some real struggles, some storms, some battles in your life, that you don't feel any guilt, any condemnation, any shame, because I want you to know that that is plain and simply not how God wants you to live your life. It's not God's plan for you. Nobody wants somebody that they love to live with this type of pain and angst and hurt and difficulty in their life. And that's not how God wants you to live. And that's not how you're going to live. Amen. Yeah. I, I mean, I really, I really believe that. 
I, I really believe that God really does have answers to every situation, every issue, every problem, every turmoil in our life. God has more solution than we have problems. Now, some people that I've talked to recently have taken this, this, this storm thing and they've, they've ramped it up one notch and they've said, it's not just a storm that's going on in my life, it's a battle. Either, I, and, and here's what I, I've heard a few people say. They said, I'm, I'm engaged in spiritual warfare, spiritual battle. And I, and I believe spiritual warfare is real. I, I believe that, that, that there are things, and there's lots of scriptures that can go, we can go through to prove that. But the, the, the way I hear people saying it, it really concerns me. Because what I hear, and I've been there, and I've talked like this and said this, it it sounds like that, um, that we are the ones that are being, we're kind of being beaten up. We're, we're, we're being bullied around. We're being victimized. We're, it's almost like we've been uh, got, kind of been messed with and then we've been thrown over in the corner and we're left cowering in the corner, hopeless and helpless and, and defenseless and weak and, and just, just powerless people. And I, I just, somehow or another, I can't reconcile in my heart and mind, with that picture and who God says we really are. Amen? I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe this is what God wants for us. So <clears throat> this morning, I want to make a couple of observations about spiritual warfare. Again, the first thing is, and let me just use this as a summary statement. <clears throat> Some people speak of being engaged in spiritual warfare like it's a surprise, and I want to say this nice. Let me see how Pastor Chris would put this. <clears throat> if you think spiritual warfare, if it's a surprise to you, you're stupid. Is that? No. Is that? Is that no, no. No. I wouldn't say it that way, okay? But, but time and time again in Scripture, we read. I mean, there's just so many Scriptures. And Ephesians chapter 6, put on the full armor of God that you might be able to fight the battle. 1 Peter 5.8, I apologize to all my tech friends back there. I'm gonna, we're going to go through this. All right. 1 Peter 5.8, be of sober spirit, be on your alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren in the world. Time out. Anybody ever been going through a battle, been going through a trouble, been going through a storm, and involved in spiritual conflict, and you think, man, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. Can I tell you the devil is a liar? <laughs> What's the Bible says? What's it say right here? Right? The same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren all over the world. So after you've suffered for a little while, the grace of God who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. God God's going to strengthen you. God's given you the victory to go through this and to overcome this. 2 Corinthians 10, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war. Everybody say it with me. War. Hey, my God. We need help here. Okay. If that was a war cry, I'm telling you, I'm sure the enemy just went running, flying, you know. Let's try this again. War. war. Come on, man. Help me out. War. war. One more. You can do better. War. Woo. Come on. How about a, come on, how about a war clap, hand plug, clap of praise, all right? Man, we got to get stirred up here. We have got to get stirred up here just, just a little bit, okay? 
for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Second thing about, um, about spiritual warfare, folks, we got to get this in our hearts and mind. Every battle, every battle is not with the devil or demons. Everything that comes along is not some demonic assignment against your life. And I don't mean to bust anybody's bubble, but I doubt very seriously that it's the devil himself coming against you. I'm not sure we're, we deserve that much attention, you know? I'm just saying, I'm saying this, that, that it's not always the devil. It's not always demons. Sometimes, okay, and, and this is good news, folks. First of all, how many people know the devil's already defeated? He's already, he's already under Jesus's feet. Man, he's already won the war. There's a story of a guy, his name is Hiro Onodo. Maybe you've heard about him. That in, 1925, in 1945, at the end of World War II, you know, the, the war's over, victory has already been acknowledged, the world is celebrating. Well, back in the mountains of the Philippines, this, uh, this gentleman had been assigned to service and he was there. Well, 29 years later, he is found still at his post, still serving, still believing that the war is going on. They had to get one of his supervising people, they had to find them to come and to tell him, hey, no, the war is over. It's completed. Can, can I be the bearer of good news today and tell you the war is over? <laughs> the battle has already been won. Jesus has already destroyed every work of the enemy. That, that's the reason that he came, First John 3, 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. They're destroyed. Now we get to be part of the cleanup project. We're, that's what we're doing here. We're, we're kind of emphasizing that the victory has been won. So where do these battles come from? One, I think a lot of the battles are in our minds. And I'm not saying the enemy can, can't influence us, can I tell you this, that sometimes it's just the fact that our minds are not completely in alignment with the plan of God. So Romans 7 says it like this, but I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. I'm telling you, sometimes the things that go through our mind try to bind us, try to limit us, try to hinder us from becoming the men and the women, the people of God, the victorious people of God that he wants us to be. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, continuing in verse 5 says, we can, Passion Translation, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. Anybody thankful for a breakthrough? We can defeat these things. These thoughts, thoughts don't direct us. Thoughts don't own us. We have authority even over our thoughts in the name of Jesus. So we capture Listen, we capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. You ever had to take a thought captive? You ever had to say, no, no, I, that thought may be in my mind, but it's not true, it's not right. I take authority over it. I bring it into subjection, into obedience to the name of Jesus. He says, so every thought, and we insist that it bow 
in obedience to the, uh, the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as we choose complete obedience. So sometimes it's just, there's a battle in our mind. Sometimes the battle's in our flesh. I don't think I have to describe this. I'm sure that there's at least two of us who've ever battled something in the flesh. Anybody else ever battled anything in the flesh? Anybody? <laughs> yeah, raise your hand for the neighbor you're sitting beside, right? So right? we've all had these battles in the flesh. But you know what? We have the power of God to be victorious over our flesh. Okay, we're not captive to our flesh. Our flesh is captive and obedient to us in the name of Jesus. But can I tell you, there's another thing that I think we miss sometimes. Sometimes, sometimes, and, and here's the picture that I have in my mind. Has anybody ever, um, anybody got, does anybody have a dog? Okay, does anybody have a cat? God forgive them and I, uh, no, that's right, okay. <clears throat> so if you have a dog, maybe you've taken your dog for a ride and your dog sticks its head out the window. Ever, I, love that, I love that, man. Your dog sticks its head out the window and, and the air's blowing in its face and its hair and it's, you know, I don't understand how a dog can stick its head out the window at 70 miles an hour, it not bother the dog, but if you blow in its face, it's like, oh, that's not, you know, so um, I, mean, I don't know how all that works. But I will tell you that, that, that man, and so their, their hair's blowing back and their, you know, their jaws are blah, 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 blah and all that kind of stuff. Well, sometimes, guys, when we feel the wind in our face, it's not because something is attacking us, it's because we're moving forward. Sometimes it's because we are the ones that we're the And listen, every time we're in a battle, it's not because something comes against us. Sometimes we start the fight, amen? Everybody reminded Braveheart, hey, where are you going? I'm going to pick a fight. We've been assigned to go out and to pick some fights to take some territory, to conquer some land, to win, to rescue the perishing. You and I have been given that assignment. We're the ones turning the world upside down. We're the ones that are living in the presence and the power of God. We're the ones rescuing the hurting and the helpless. So we're the ones running into the battle. We're the ones saying, charge, charge, charge. Man. So every time we feel the wind in our face, don't think that it's some opposition. Maybe it's because we're pursuing godliness. Maybe it's because we're on a sign that we're operating from purpose. We're accomplishing God's plans in our lives. Hallelujah. So let's go back to our opening scripture. You ready? Luke chapter eight, verse 24 in the Amplified Bible. They came to Jesus and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're about to die. And he got up and rebuked the wind and the weight raging violent waves. And they ceased and became calm, a perfect peacefulness. Many people just say, oh God, do that in my life. A perfect peacefulness, a perfect peacefulness. And he said to them, where's your confidence in your faith, your confidence in me. And they were afraid and astonished, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the sea and they obey him? Man, there's so much here. Number one, what I see in the scripture, thank God Jesus is in the boat. I'm just telling you, if he ain't in the boat, I ain't going. So number two, okay? I want us to recognize that our circumstances will lie to us. Just because we see something, just because we sense something, just because we feel something doesn't mean it's true, okay? 
Because they're saying, they're standing up proclaiming, we're about to die, we're about to die, we're about to die. That was a lie. That's not what God was saying. That's not what God had proclaimed and had declared over them. But you know what? I think that's what happens when we face a storm. What we think nobody understands. I'm hurting, I'm confused, I'm lonely, my world is crashing, it's caving in on me. These situations that I'm dealing with are just too difficult. And what the enemy really tries to do is he tries to open a door in our hearts to get us to believe a lie, to open a door and to let fear come in, to let fear begin to dictate in our lives, to see faith run out and for fear to come in. Their faith was paralyzed by their fear. They kept saying, we're perishing, we're dying, but they were wrong. Have you, have you ever heard that word? Have you ever heard this, that word in your life? This, this is the thing that kills you. Maybe it's not just physically, but, but maybe it's, it's going to kill a relationship. It's going to kill your hope. It's going to kill your, your ministry. It's going to kill your purpose. I'm just telling you, that's not how God speaks to his people. That's not the voice of God. The truth is that they were on their way to see an incredible miracle. We'll get there, but hold on to that. They were on their way to see an amazing miracle. They were about to witness something spectacular. But fear says, no, that's not what's going to happen. Fear tries to get us to believe something other than God's truth and to move, to camp out in a place of fear and worry and fret. It just tries to get us to believe anything other than God's truth. And folks, we absolutely positively have been in those situations. Anybody ever been in one of those situations where you knew something really tragic was going to happen? It wasn't, uh, uh, I don't know, when the grandkids, and so in the last couple of years, um, when, when Jack was first born, somebody, um, and if it was happened to be you, just talk to me after church, all right? They, um, they bought this little, it was a rocking monkey. And this little rocking monkey, you get on the monkey and you rock and there's a banana and all that stuff. Well, this rocking money, monkey made this sound like, Eah! I was like, what in the world is that? So one night we're in bed, you know, asleep. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we hear the sound going, Eah! I was like, man, Lord, what is wrong with Yvette? Woman, come out of that demon. You know, it's like, I mean, so, you know, what's, what's going on? And then it was like, she's elbowing me and said, what was that? I said, man, I don't know. You know, and so then, then we wait and we don't hear anything. And then all of a sudden we hear this noise again. I was like, what is that? You know, what is going on here? Where's it coming from? And so, you know, I'm getting up, grabbing the, ju the, the judge, grabbing the gun. You know, <laughs> that monkey is going to meet Jesus. But <laughs> I'm telling you, and I'm like walking through the house going, man, you know, and I hear this and and I mean real fear, like, you know, tingling in the knees kind of fear here's going on. And then you, <laughs> and then you, you get to the closet and open the door, you know, and then the, the thing slides and moves and it's, yeah! and I was like, oh man, anybody ever had that kind of thing where it's just, anybody ever had that kind of thing happen in their life? Anybody ever had that kind of thing? I'm, I'm sure that, that many of us have had those type of things in our lives. You know, fear and worry magnifies things. It makes everything worse than it is. You see, because worry really is, it's fear in motion. You worry that you're gonna be late and the traffic's worse than it's ever been. You're, you're running behind, it's worse than it's ever been. You, you know, you're, you're, you're in a state of worry and fear and disappointment in your relationship and all of a sudden your wife's snoring is, is worse than it's ever been. It's just driving me crazy, you know? You're, 
Your kids, man, you're wrapped up in this bond, and all of a sudden your kids, they've lost their ever-loving minds, you know, and man, we need to, you know, have some type of an exorcism take place or something here. You know, you go to, you, you get this in your spirit, you go to work and your boss is a jerk and in the sickness, you get sick and it's not just a, a sickness, not just a cold, it's, it's, it's unto death, okay? It's just everything, it's unto death, you know? So you've lost your focus, you've lost your perspective. And so let me ask you, has anybody ever been there? Have you ever been in that place where you've cried out You felt that as no one heard your voice, the storm's coming in and you need some help, but God's silent, man, God's asleep. Jesus, where where are you at? Wake up. Don't you care? How many people have ever heard, God, doesn't God care? Doesn't he care about my situation, my circumstance? Doesn't he care? Doesn't he care enough to at least answer? Doesn't he care enough to do it in my time? Folks, I'm just telling you, that's the type of thing that the enemy use, tries to use. Because the truth of the matter is, it's impossible for God not to care. That's who he is. That's what he does. He cares for every single person here this morning. Amen? So why don't you turn to that person beside you and say, he cares for you today. You see, it's not really about what's going on. It's not really about God. It's about what's going on in us. it's not really about who God, because God is God and God's always gonna act like God. He's always gonna be God. He's always gonna care. He's always gonna love. He's always, it's really about what's going on inside of us. So when these storms come, they test our faith and, and our response in these moments of testing are extremely critical in our life. I wish I could tell you that every time a test had come along that I'd passed it with flying colors. But there've been lots of times when, the test came and, and I gave in and yielded and failed and moved into fear and moved into worry and, and, and gave in to temptation. And, but you know, Jesus here, and I, and I love this, he rebukes the seas and the winds and they calm down. Then he turns to his disciples and he goes, why? Why are you living like people who have no faith? Why are you living like I'm not right here with you. They had become so preoccupied with their situation, with their circumstances, with their storm, that they have lost sight of who was with them. And sometimes I just wonder if that's us. I wonder if, they, if we forget who's with us. Now, I mean, who is with us? The King of kings, the Lord of glory, the victorious one, the resurrected one, the one that sits at the right hand of Almighty God. Do you recognize who is with you today? Do you know who is with you today? And why are you living like you have no faith? And the question comes up in my mind, why did they wait until they were about to drown? You know, the, the boat, it's filling up with water. The Bahamas, we had a saying, it said, hey, a boat in the water, good stuff. You know, no problem. Water in a boat, you got a problem, right? Soon as the water started coming into the boat, they said, hey, Jesus, you know, you want to help us bail? At least help us bail, right? Do something. He's there sleeping in the boat. They had become so, uh, so I wonder why 
did they wait so long to call upon Jesus? Why did they wait till it was at the breaking point, the crisis point, what, till the boat was about to tip over? Why did they do that? Can I, can I offer maybe a couple of thoughts? One is, and I don't want to be critical about the disciples, but one is I think, I think it was pride. I really think that they, they're like, hey, Jesus is a preacher. He didn't know anything about fishing and sailing and stuff like that. We're the fishermen. We should know how to do this. What's Jesus going to do? And I wonder how many times you and I get into that same situation where it's like, I should be able to handle this. I should be able to, look, I've been married for all these years. I should be able to handle a difficulty in my marriage. Why do I need to get Jesus involved? I've been working since I was knee high to a grasshopper. And I'm having problems in economic areas of my life and finances. Why do I need to get Jesus involved? I should be able to handle this. This temptation that tries to entrap us, that tries to ensnare us and draw us in. Man, I should be strong enough. I should have enough willpower. I should have enough of my own strength, my own ability to handle this. And so because we feel disappointed in our own ability, in pride, we say, I'm just gonna tough it out and I'm just gonna try harder and I'm gonna grit my teeth and I'm gonna work harder and I'm gonna make it happen. Can I tell you that the epitome of pride is to not call on a God who wants to help us in every situation, in every circumstance of our life that he cares about every situation, that he cares about everything. He cares, he cares, he cares. Maybe they were just too busy bailing the water. Maybe they were just, man, they were just wrapped up in trying to solve the problem, 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 solve the problem. Maybe they've just got so busy that they failed to take time to call upon the one who could not just help them with their situation, but fix their situation. Anybody ever been there? Man, I think about how many times I have. I remember years ago teaching a, a parenting class and a marriage and parenting class and doing these marriage and parenting seminars and going through a, a difficult time, a challenging time. And um, I'm sure it was me doing something not right, but, but in marriage and, and just feeling like, hey, you big hypocrite. How can you go out and tell other people how to fix their marriage and heal their marriage and raise their kids? And man, you're struggling in your own life. And, and I, I thought, I've just got to do better. I've just got to work harder. I've got to get more focused. I've got to be more disciplined. And finally, thank you, Holy Spirit. It dawned, it wasn't about me doing more. It was about me yielding my way and my thoughts and my abilities and saying, oh God, come in. God, come in and have your way, your way in my life. See, that's what prayer is, isn't it? It's not about getting us our way. It's about humbling ourselves and submitting for God to have his way in our lives. And, and, and listen, guys, I know we're, we're out of time here. So the, the, the real difficult part of this is that I think they had lost their peace. And... and and they had allowed fear and worry, but they had lost their peace. And listen, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, was in the boat with them. 
I wonder how many people, how many of us have got so caught up in the storm or the battle or whatever's going on in our lives that we've let, we've let, we've let our peace just ebb away and flow away. And can I tell you that the Bible says this, it says that we are to, that the peace of God will guard our hearts. We need to always, and I'm telling you, we pursue, we seek, we welcome the peace of God because it guards. I looked that word up. Chris and I were talking about it this week that, that that's really a military term. So when we're, when we're welcoming the peace of God into our lives, we're saying, God, let your peace come in and let it be like a, a stationary, let it be like a military outpost gun. Something comes to try to disturb our hearts, to steal our, our joy. You know what? Peace of God's gonna gun it down. Peace of God's gonna make it submit, make it bow to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because God wants our lives filled with his peace because his peace leads to joy. Now, again, I'm gonna wrap up a couple of notes here. I did write one little note down here on the top of my page I wanna share with you. This is free. Um, I heard this just recently. Can I tell you that the goal of our marriages and, and, and especially the goal of our homes should be to fill our homes with joy. I, let, let, I mean, I, we know that there's all kinds of tension problems, but can I tell you, if you really want to be successful parents, you'll make sure that your kids experience joy in your household. Amen? That it's a place of joy because the Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? I believe this morning God wants to do a work of restoring peace and joy into some people's lives. I mean, I just really, really believe this. This, this scripture, I've known it for a long time, but I, I read it this week, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Hey, does anybody know that the kingdom of God, what kind of kingdom is it? It's a kingdom of righteousness, right relationship with God, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. And here's my prayer for us this morning. Now may the Lord himself, the Lord of peace, pour into you his peace in every circumstance and in every way possible. May the Lord's tangible presence be with you all. You know, the rest of the story is Jesus calms the storm. They get they get to the, uh, the to the other sea, uh, to the other side of the of the Sea of Galilee, and they, they they have an encounter with the demoniac there, and and God Jesus sets him free. I, I mean, this isn't just preaching. Can I tell you? This burns in my soul this morning, in my spirit this morning, folks. I believe we're on the way to some miracles. We're on the way to some outpouring of the demonstration of the move of Almighty God in our lives. And, and, and lots of things are trying to prohibit this. We're, we're ready to see communities transformed. <clears throat> but you and I have got to go. We've got to go with a sense of peace and a sense of joy and an expectation that God wants to work in my life and through my life. And the only way we can do that is to welcome Him to pour His peace into our lives.